0: Welcome to Cutthroat. On this episode of Cutthroat, we're going to be answering the question of why society loves learning about serial killers, and why any rational person would enjoy movies, TV shows, and documentaries about a person who ruthlessly murdered so many. There's so much information out about serial killers right now that you could watch a new episode, documentary, or new movie every day. Some TV shows are Mindhunter and Making a Murderer, and there's movies such as Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile about Ted Bundy, and then My Friend Dahmer, and there's documentaries just like the Ted Bundy tapes where you can listen to the actual murderer talk themselves. There's also a countless amount of conspiracy theory and serial killer YouTube videos, and even uh, many Twitter and Instagram pages that are devoted to telling the public about these murderers. So do you think you could, like, introduce yourself, like, um all your accreditations and everything for the podcast.
1: I'm a professor of criminal justice at Springfield College. I've been here 15 years. Um, I have experience in the military and policing and police academy training, clinical work. I've been a licensed clinical mental health practitioner, Um, had some work with corrections. I've I've done just about um, as many things as I possibly could in the time I've had on this. yeah, perfect. the specifics probably aren't important, but um, I, I've, I've, this isn't my first rodeo. Let's put it that way. That's perfect. Thank you.
0: So obviously, like our podcast, um, we're talking about why people right now are so fascinated with serial killers. Obviously, you know, like there's a bunch of, there's been a bunch of Ted Bundy movies and there's been the documentaries going out. And like very recently, people have been super into like, these terrible people who are doing horrible things, mm-hmm. which is relatively strange. So we we're wondering, In your opinion, like, why do you think that we are like as a community so interested in this topic?
1: Wow, um, <laughs> I have to be thoughtful because this is probably a scholarly and academic endeavor. But there are some things about human nature that we don't really talk about. For example, I teach a course in violence and victimization, and we compare. Um, the way we behave with other animals in the animal kingdom, and we're not much different genetically. So there may be part of us that due to an innate or inherent instinctive fears of being injured or violently, um, let's say taken advantage of or killed, we, uh, we forget the perspective of how truly safe we are. You know, For example, everybody's afraid to go to New York City. It's an extremely safe city to travel and visit. Uh, you're more likely to be injured in downtown Springfield at 2 o'clock in the morning, or riding around uh, just in some neighborhoods than you would be you know, randomly injured or hurt in some of the larger cities. Murder rates have gone down. Um, what's really interesting, and students find it hard to believe, is that all the focus on, we'll say, rampage shootings at schools, they are way down from the 1990s. If you were asked ask students um, if they're on the rise or whether they're declining, they would always say they're on the rise. They are not. They're declining. So it's really about getting facts, you know, data-driven information. But even with that, um, people are just fascinated with the potential of being an innocent victim of a serial killer. Um, it's just, it sort of satisfies that innate fear that we don't get to practice in real life because we are so safe and we are so uncomfortable. Um, but anyway, just for the fun of it, I thought I'd choose this setting in my home because if you look over my shoulder, those are pictures or paintings of Hansel and Gretel. Are you familiar with them? So they may have been victims of a serial killer. So this goes back many, many, many years, you know, Vlad the impaler or Dracula back in Romania, maybe the 13th century, you know, he used to do bad things at night with um, his troops and he created sort of the fear of not to go out at night. Um, so that he could do what he did to those you know, those bad things. So he t- used to take people and impale them on stakes. So when people got up in the morning, like, oh my God, look what happens when you go out at night. So we have vampires and werewolves. Um, my thought is the, the serial killer phenomenon is just because maybe we're bored. Maybe we need something to cling to. Maybe we need to feel safe. Uh, we need to find meaning in that. And uh, it's like going on a roller coaster ride. Maybe you know, like some young people drive 100 miles an hour on the highway, um, and maybe just tempting fate. That's just sort of a generic approach to it, but um, our fascination with it is not new. We can go back, uh, let's see, 1888, there was a a gentleman named Holmes, and I believe the World's Fair area, he rented a house and turned it into a torture chamber and was abducting people we're visiting Chicago, he killed lots and lots of people um, during the Civil War, um, in the USSR. So this phenomenon, if we want to be polite and call it that, is not new. And our fascination, I don't believe is new, it's just that due to media, due to social media, due to, you know, television, movies and shows, people, you know, people are getting what they're asking for. I and mean, what are some of the more popular shows? You know, what do you watch? You know, what do you know? Are you representative of everyone?
0: I like vampire shows, so <clears throat> I guess it kind of makes sense.
1: Okay. Vampires are good, right? The zombie apocalypse. or No, vampires are different than zombies. My, my fault.
0: <laughs> um, So, referencing back to what you said about with, like, the animal kingdom and how mm-hmm. we're, like, all very closely related, do you think that someone is born – like someone that murders um, a decent amount of people, do you think that they're born like that? Or do you think they have
1: specific- That's a timeless question. You know, nature versus nurture is the way you're brought up. Um, I do confound my students often by asking heavy duty questions. And some of the questions have to do with, for example, being a victim of child abuse. We hear it all the time, at least in the media, because it helps to soothe our, our hearts and souls that the reason this person did what he did or she did is because they were abused as a child. Now, that may not be true. And if it is true, it doesn't make sense to me from a rational point of view, because if you've been abused, and this is again, just somewhat logical then you know better than anyone else, how much it hurts and therefore you won't impose it on other people. So there's a lot of um, miscues as to what really it's all about. Genetically, Um, There are people, in my opinion, that um, lack, let's say, uh, you know, the capacity for empathy. You know, just like we have blonde hair and blue eyes and dark skin. um, There's a fellow we study in my class called Pedro Lopez. He's probably one of the, they use the term prolific serial killers we've had in the 20th century. His victims were all girls between the ages of 9 and 12. He would kidnap them, torture them rape them, and then strangle them. He thought of them as trophies. And when asked why he did it, he said he did it because when they get older, as young women, that they would be victimized sexually. So he was helping them avoid that pain. That's pretty creepy stuff.
2: Yeah.
1: So, and he went to Ecuador from Colombia. And the reason he went there is because in Ecuador, which is referred to as a narco economy, um, the death penalty, whether you kill one person or a hundred, is only 16 years in prison. So he is convicted of 57 murders, um, probably more like 300, and a total of maybe 600 over his lifetime, but he served his time and walked away from prison. So, you know, why do they have 16 years and why do we have, you know, life imprisonment? So we really get confused. Um, can I ask you guys a question? If we could impose or relate what we're talking about just to this COVID-19, how many of you are confident about what's going on? Are you confident with the information you're getting? What's causing this? What's happening? And if the answer to that is, yes, I'm confused, like all of us, then that's sort of the same way of we handle um, violent murder and serial killers. We just don't know because we don't take enough time to to delve deeply into it. So...
0: Yeah, that makes, that makes sense.
1: Um, Why are, so the question I have for you, and I'm, I'm trying to be a professor here a little bit. <laughs> with all the social distancing, are we trying to prevent disease? Or are we trying to prevent death? Because they can be mutually exclusive.
0: I think it's definitely not the, I think they're definitely trying to prevent people from dying, not the disease.
1: Correct. That's what, that's, that makes sense. Okay. Well, as a result of that, we're going to prolong the virus's survival. And with herd immunity. So it's not wrong. I'm just suggesting that when we look at serial killers, we we have a tendency to look at it from a perspective of entertainment and titillating and fear and, you know, excitement. And I can't believe that can happen. So you're being exposed to things that, in my mind, emotionally and psychologically, you need to take on for a test drive to see what it feels like because you're not exposed to real danger. You know, you're not really afraid of going out at night and being snatched. Maybe, but, you know, I think we're in a good place and we need these things to help us remain, um, let's say, stable.
0: Um, So, like, going back to what I said about how recently there's been a lot of documentaries and um, TV shows like Mindhunter and things um, going out about serial killers and mass murderers like that, do you think that, obviously the media does have an influence, but do you think it's influenced people's opinions um, about the topic? Like instead of thinking like, Oh, more of like scared of the topic, more intrigued or more interested in the topic. I
1: definitely believe the the media and the entertainment industry is appealing to your, what's referred to as your period interests um, so that they can, you know, sell their product and then influence the way you interpret it. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you know Springfield, the city of Springfield has a serial killer? Back in the 1990s, and we recently arrested one last year. So um, they're around, but they're, the statistical data is it's phenomenally low. The chance of you being the victim of a serial killer is probably less than you being hit by you know lightning strike if you're in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. If
2: I could just like put in really quick, is there? Do you know the name of that Springfield serial
1: killer? There's a few of them. If you want to do a masslive.com, um, his name was Alfred Gaynor, G-A-Y-N-O-R. Thank and you so much. And that was in the 1980s and 90s. As a matter of fact, I used to have the detectives who investigated that crime, come into class that had a little, um, you know, real life, let's we'll say tension. There's another one more recently, I can't remember his name right now. Um, again, if you do MassLive he lived on Page Boulevard, which is Route 20, probably about two and a half miles from campus. Mr. Gaynor, um, if it's my if my recollection is correct, actually operated out of Middlesex Street. Do you know where that is?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Middlesex is right opposite the end of the football field. He used to yeah. murder a victim. He murdered a victim, left her there dead for days, and we'll, we'll go back and have sexual intercourse with her days after she was dead. So, you know... In my opinion, from a genetic point of view, and I don't buy the, uh, a person can be trained to be that evil, but he should have an aversion to that. Doing that should make him sick to his stomach, should make him wanna vomit, should make him feel ill. You know, so something, there's something there that we don't wanna talk about. And and maybe we shouldn't, I don't know. But um, there's a lot of topics in criminal justice most people don't wanna talk about because then we have to start finding true causes and then we have to start looking more closely at each other. And as much as we talk about inclusion, we've also been trained to mind our own business in important matters. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm just old-fashioned. I can tell if you. Could, that-
3: if I could just <laughs> jump in real quick. When you sure. say, when you, say um, you know, we don't want to talk about it, do you think we purposely don't want to talk about it just because we want to we want to keep that unknown that keeps us going back to wanting more? Or do you think we don't talk about it because uh, like you said, we would have to take a different look at things and have to uh, dive deeper?
1: Well, can I be politically incorrect or correct? Um, I think both depending on, depending on maybe a person's age, their culture, um, their political points of view. Um, I don't think except for the civil war, I don't think, in our history, we've been ever so divided over political issues that really we shouldn't be. You know, it's like, you know, COVID-19 is important. Let's take care of it. We're all coming together. We're all trying to do the right thing. But at the same time, the police are, the police arrested a man for surfing in California. You know, it's like, okay, um, all right. What are we missing here? And is he harming anybody? No, he's trespassing. So maybe he was made an example of. Um, there's lots of examples like that. Um, criminal justice is tough because we have to take almost all of the highly emotional, political, cultural issues and ground them by, uh, by enforcing laws. So it's a really crappy place to be a lot of times. So anyway, answering your question as best as I can, I think it's the combination of all those things. No,
3: that's awesome, thank
1: you. What do you think, from your perspective?
3: Uh, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think, yeah, I do think it's both. I think part of us, you know, wants to know because, you know, we're always going to have that, you know, does it actually, we want to, we always want to know the truth of things. We want actual answers but Then part of us doesn't want to know because if we do actually know, it could maybe harm us more than not knowing at all.
1: So. Well, that's wonderful from a, from a Giants fan, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, I got to rep my team. The, uh, What's, what's difficult, I think, um, there's, we talk about human rights and civil rights and civil liberties, the more and more you become educated, the more and more you become informed, the more and more it's implied uh, that you have to be responsible to make the world a better place and make changes, so sometimes it's easier just to look the other way. Again, I'm gonna to refer to my violence and victimization class, which students enjoy because there's no textbook and 50% of your grade is attendance. The reason for that is because being together and openly talking about things is a lot more informative and telling than reading a textbook and doing work just to keep busy. So I, I, I set them up and for example, there's this thing called the National um, Crime Victim Survey. Every year the government asks people if they've been victims of crimes. And the reason they do that is because there's this thing called the black figure of crime. A lot of people are victims, but never call the police. So you can't count on just police reports so they go right to people in general and it shows all these different crimes from arson which is you know illegal burning car theft murder assault and then amazingly they don't keep track of sexual assault and isn't it yeah i just saw that you look on your face mark um at the bottom there's an asterisk that says the reason they can't keep track of it is because it's so hard to define my attitude is that's bullshit <laughs> that's not right it's hard to measure no it, it's hard to get people to report about it maybe so students then begin to start assessing what's this all about and it may be the same thing with serial killers and our, our fascination um you know my area one of my areas of expertise is campus sexual assault and um it's legit it's real and why do we ignore it I and mean, if you can come up with some type of analysis that can overlay with maybe serial killers, um, you might be able to come up with some more information. Why do we ignore it? You know, our uh, sexual predators groom, true sexual predators groom their victims. Look at the Catholic church. I don't know if you're all that familiar with it, but the past 40, 50 years, in at least the Northeast, it was designed for the purpose of having sexual pedophiles and predators become priests. It was a perfect place to hide in plain sight. In my mind, there's no doubt about it. So that view of our institutions and looking around is tough sometimes. How about one other example? And I'll, I'll be quiet and listen to you. In Connecticut, several years ago, a man in a traditional family, husband and wife, two children, the man came home from work. His wife and two daughters were sitting at the table. They were crying and sobbing. And the, and the father discovered that the nine-year-old daughter just reported to her mother that she had been sexually assaulted or raped by a next-door neighbor. The husband went into his room, got a gun, went next door and shot and killed the man. What are your thoughts?
3: Uh, uh, that's definitely a uh, act of, you know, raw emotion.
1: Yep. Okay. How about this one? He went to the wrong house. He assumed incorrectly oh. he was hoping that you know shitty steve or we weird bill that lived next door no it was the nice guy who lived next door who did it so he shot and killed the wrong man so what happened there so right emotion misinformation acting on impulse that's all part of this and you know, we need to think about how to measure that more accurately there's all sorts of examples like that
0: um. So we right. have like a few more questions, and then we're good because this is awesome so far. But um, so obviously there's differences between killers like um Ted Bundy and then the man who um during the Vegas shooting. Mm-hmm. They're like not the same. There's like serial killers, and there's a difference between mass killers. Do you think right.
1: there's a difference between serial killers and rampage killers, and that's defined by the FBI? Just because somebody has to come up with like our six feet social distancing rule, just so we feel comfortable, even though it probably doesn't work at all. Excuse me, Um, a serial killer is Ted Bundy. A rampage killer kills more than four people at one time for no particular reason, just in a rampage. And interestingly enough, like 99.9% of rampage killers kill themselves. So it is a form of an expression when it comes to suicide. Newtown, Connecticut, Adam Lanza, he killed himself as soon as he heard the sirens. It's, this, it's the same old pattern. So there's something there. And Adam Lanza, anybody from Connecticut? Yeah. You must know a lot about it.
3: Yeah, I'm not. We're not. I'm not Person. Like, I'm not that far from Newtown.
1: Now, that's just an, I mean, that's real trauma. Yeah, that would... that's, that's real trauma. But what I say to my students, and it's, it's <laughs> again, I'm, I'm not trying to be the, the teacher or lecturer right now. That young man had six thousand rounds of .223 ammunition. Now, you know, it's like, I don't know about you, but uh, that's a lot. I mean, even if you just put them in a barrel, like somebody had to know. Something's up, something's wrong, you know, and uh, why do we ignore that, you know? It's just, we, what's a good way to put it? Um, We need to take better care of each other without interfering, you know, paying attention. Sometimes people scream for help and we ignore them. So, anyway, <clears throat> I'm sorry. I haven't talked to anybody for a while, so my throat's a little bit dry. Going I, I can go I keep going. I'll listen. Going,
2: going back to that, I'm, I'm unmuted, correct? Okay. Um, I don't believe you're actually even allowed to buy 6,000 rounds of 223 ammunition at one time. That had okay. to be over a length of time. Correct. And somebody had to know
1: that. How about this one? There's this, there's this college in Northwestern, Mass. Called the College of the Bard. It's for um, artistic students. I think his name was Wayne Lowe. A young man in 1991 or 92. Uh, broke up with his girlfriend. She, uh, you know, she just said it's over. He didn't like it. So he decided to kill her. But in order to do it, he had to get a gun. So he, he, he mailed away. And they delivered to the college campus a rifle the rifle didn't fit in his little itsy bitsy mailbox like you might have in the bottom of is it still Lachlan Hall Mm -hmm. and and so they delivered it to his dorm room and then he's like oh crap how could I do this without bullets so he orders bullets it doesn't fit into the you know the mailbox so they deliver it and put it in his dorm room And his roommates like holy crap, what are we going to do? He goes, I'm going to kill my girlfriend. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. So the word went out and she escaped, but he got angry and then shot uh, like a 60 year old security woman and shot somebody else because he was angry. That could have been prevented. Yeah, that's a lot of funny. these uh, rampage killings could have been prevented. Um, serial killers, I'm not so sure. It's, it's tough. Right, so six thousand rounds of ammunition is a lot. That's that's right now in Massachusetts, and we have strong gun control. You can order two thousand rounds and have it delivered by like FedEx to your house.
0: So, do you think like relatively with serial killers and then rampage killers, do you think most of their killings are like premeditated, like they've obviously thought about it for a decent amount of time, or do you think a lot of them are like pure like emotion and just?
1: I no, I think it's very calculated like I talked about with the sexual predators, they groom an area. Um, they will, it's uh, a good way to put it. Um, they're looking for the weak or the most vulnerable, and not vulnerable, we'll say, according to like you know, physical strength, but the one may be lonely, um, the one may may not have family connections, the one that may not be missed immediately. I mean, throughout history, prostitutes have often been the victims of serial killers. You know, Jack the Ripper, there's, there's several examples throughout our Western culture. And if you start looking at other cultures, you know, other parts of the world, they have the same problems. They had it in the USSR, they've had it in China, they've had it in Africa. Um, it seems to be part of the human condition that we really don't understand. But we could do a better job of trying to understand it if, we, if the numbers were higher, the victims were higher, or the victims were more prominent. You know, right now human trafficking is a big deal and it's legit and it's real. And, uh, most people don't even think about it or even care about it.
0: Yeah. And I think when, in like today's society too, it's more of like a ignorance is bliss type of thing.
1: Absolutely. I really
0: don't know about half the stuff that's going on.
1: Right. But you can still explore the emotional oh, and psychological yeah. part of it by watching the documentaries or, you know, the, the Netflix shows or the making of a murder or whatever, you know, it, it's, it's, it's informative, but at the same time, it's not serving as well.
0: Mhm. So just to wrap up this little interview, um, speaking of the shows, have you watched any or do you, do you like, have you like, um, like the <coughs> tip of the background?
1: Well, I, I usually don't. Um, um, the, 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 I have five children, got a wife, um, there's, you know, probably I'll say like there's nine TVs in the house. There's laptops. There's iPads. I, I everybody else seems to be fat. I just kind of avoid it because it frustrates me. Mm-hmm. Um, not you're not being judgmental, but um, yeah, I, I'm not sure. It's a good question. It'd be like if you're a combat veteran. I don't know if I want to watch war movies. Um, it's just something that it 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 because maybe of my knowledge. In my foundation that I become very critical and intense and, and find fault with it. And, and therefore it's you know, not much fun for other people to watch it with me and I don't wanna watch it because it just, I don't know, I just don't find it entertaining. Although I do have a lot of that, I do show a lot of these in, in my classes for sure. Mm. If you ever wanna look up a real serial killer, look up Pedro Lopez. There's a, uh, a documentary called The Monster of the Andes. Um, it's, it's awful. It's just, it's just, you know, they look for places where they're going to be least visible with the most, we might refer to it as a target rich area. Let me throw one other thing out at you and I don't want to keep you here, but there's this term that over the past 20 years in in our sort of our business, we've determined um, that, most vicious college rapes on college campuses happen within the first 72 hours of the beginning of the academic year. And it's usually freshmen or first year women. Um, it's called the red zone. Like in football, if you don't score within you know, the 20 yard line, it's, it's, it's not good. So there's a, lot of, there's a lot of sexual predators that only predate when they're in college. They never do it again because they can get away with it. It's weird, it's awful, it's scary, and we spend a lot of time studying it, and a lot of students don't like the topic, but um, there's lots of data information about it. You know? And what do you wanna do? Have you seen the video or the, the docu- or the somewhat documentary film called The Hunting Ground?
0: Yes, I think. Is it about the college campuses and sexual assault? Yeah. Yeah, I watched that in health class.
1: It, take a look at that, and then think about serial killers because people will deny it. I mean, one young man says, well, just because you're having sex with a woman, and she says, no, that doesn't make it rape. Uh-huh. So um, we're very complicated you know, animals for sure, but you know, we're trying our best to, to move things along. But serial killers are fascinating because it's, there's a lot of unknown. There is no real solutions we can't count on a police department or a district attorney to solve it because it's just too immense. It's, it's about all of us. In some parts of the world, if there was a serial killer and the community found out about it, they would probably just drag the person out of their house or their hut or whatever, and just do away with them. Just believing that uh, they want to have to end that genetic pool. But I, you know, I don't know if that, if that's a good idea to even think about, but they're out there and they're in each one of our communities. Have you, uh, one last, have you, do you have, do you have, you have to look up sexual predators in your neighborhood?
0: I looked at my, my teacher in high school last year made us go to like the bulletin yep. in the high school and like read off where everybody was.
1: Well, it's interesting and I can't say this, you know, absolutely, but there is an association, however small or large between what we refer to as level three sexual predators and serial killers. Quite often, it's a man um, either, you know, murdering, killing children or murdering, killing females. Once in a while, we have a a female does it. A woman named Ron, W R O N A, was a female serial killer. But why is it men? Why is it like 99% men? It's an interesting, it's an interesting, I'm sorry. (laughs) It's an interesting concept to, to follow up on. You know, so, and... Every year in my classes, I have my students do level three sex offenders around the campus. And there are more than 30 or 40 within like six or 700 concentric yards. And from time to time, we discover one or two of them working in the food service area. So it's, uh, when, you, when you look it up, it says not only uh, where they live, but also they have to tell you where they work. How come we're not informed of that? Well, because it's not fair, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Some of the better drug dealers on campus have been people who have worked at, you know, Cheney. A lot of you know, don't want to know, right? <laughs> I know. Anyway, what are your majors? And I'll let you go.
0: Um, I'm in the PA program.
1: Oh, wow, okay. I have a daughter in a PA program right now. Oh, really? She's at St. Joseph's. Oh, uh, okay. Sadly, she's in her clinicals and it's been ended, so she's a miserable um. Yeah, that's young adult. thing. I love it. PA, great. My uh, my wife's an ICU nurse now. She's working in Hartford with COVID-19 patients okay. only. So it's pretty tense around here.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so she comes home and says, Yeah, we only lost one last night. Oh, great. Let's all okay. get champagne. You know. So it's tough. The uh if we can convert some of this viral stuff and use the concept of epidemiology and pathology, we could also look at serial killers that way. Can they be like a virus, which there's no real cure, but we can sort of take preventative actions?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That would be a good topic. But anyway, thanks, Cassidy. How about you, Mark? What's your, what's your major?
3: Uh, I'm a movement and sports studies major, and I'm minor in coaching. OK. But coaching what? Anything. Uh- I wanna coach baseball.
1: Cool. Do you play baseball?
3: I do. I'm on the team up at the tool.
1: Holy shit. So Mark Simeone, one of your best friends? Yeah, he's a good guy. How about Eddie Martinez? Yep, I know Eddie. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a hoot. How about my best friend in the whole world, John Daly? John,
3: uh John is a character for- He
1: Yes two speeds, slow and reverse. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So we get to know I get to know my students. Yeah.
3: I uh John Daly's a great kid.
1: And that's a great field you guys play on, huh?
3: Oh, it's awesome. Brand new.
1: Yes, for sure. I was there when Cal Ripken came and dedicated that uh, field in the back. But anyway, oh. and finally, Chase, you're the boss.
2: I'm I'm also in the movement in sports studies major with Mark, uh, with a minor in coaching in business.
1: Okay. Coaching, what do you want to coach?
2: Uh, men's gymnastics.
1: Okay. So you're at a good school for that. Yeah. I'm on the
2: team up at
1: Springfield, so. Okay, good. Well, is there anything else I can do for you? Any unanswered questions?
0: No, I think that was perfect, actually.
1: I did more lecturing than answering, but sorry. You know, it's just my nature. But...
0: No, that That's works. That's
1: okay. That was perfect
2: for a length of time. Correct. And somebody had to know that.
1: This... How about this one? There's this, there's this college in Northwestern Mass called the College of the Bard. It's for um, artistic students. I think his name was Wayne Lowe, a young man in 1991 or 92. Uh, broke up with his girlfriend. She, uh, you know, she just said it's over. He didn't like it. So he decided to kill her. But in order to do it, he had to get a gun. So he, he, he mailed away and they delivered to the college campus a rifle. The rifle didn't fit in his little itsy-bitsy mailbox like you might have in the bottom of, is it still Lachlan Hall? Mm-hmm. And, and so they delivered it to his dorm room. And then, He's like, oh, crap, how could I do this without bullets? So he orders bullets. It doesn't fit into the, you know, the mailbox. So they deliver it and put it in his dorm room. And his roommate's like, holy crap, what are we going to do? He goes, I'm going to kill my girlfriend. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. So the word went out, and she escaped. But he got angry and then shot, like, a 60-year-old security woman and shot somebody else because he was angry. That could have been prevented.
2: Yeah, a lot so of these
1: uh, rampage killings could have been prevented. Um, serial killers, I'm not so sure. It's it's tough. See, right? So six thousand rounds of ammunition is a lot. That's that's t- right now in Massachusetts. And we have strong gun control. You can order two thousand rounds and have it delivered by like FedEx to your house.
0: So do you think like relatively with serial killers and then rampage killers, do you think most of their killings are like premeditated? Like they've obviously thought about it for a decent amount of time, or do you think a lot of them are like pure, like emotion and
1: just. I no, I think it's very calculated. Like I talked about with the sexual predators, they groom an area. Um, They will. uh, What's a good way to put it. Um, They're looking for the weak or the most vulnerable and not vulnerable, we'll say, according to like, you know, physical strength, but the one may be lonely, um, the one may, may not have family connections, the one that may not be missed immediately. I mean, throughout history, prostitutes have often been the victims of serial killers. You know, Jack the Ripper, there's, there's several examples throughout our Western culture. And if you start looking at other cultures, you know, other parts of the world, they have the same problems. They had it in the USSR. They've had it in China. They've had it in Africa. Um, it seems to be part of the human condition that we really don't understand. But we could do a better job of trying to understand it if, we, if the numbers were higher, the victims were higher, or the victims were more prominent. And you know, right now, human trafficking is a big deal. And it's legit and it's real. And uh, most people don't even think about it or even care about it.
0: Yeah, and I think when, in, like, today's society, too, it's more of, like, a ignorance is bliss type of thing. Absolutely. I really don't know about half the stuff that's going on.
1: Right, but you can still explore the emotional oh, and psychological yeah. part of it by watching the documentaries or, you know, the, the Netflix shows or the making of a murder or whatever, you know, it, it's, it's informative, but at the same time, it's not serving as well. Mm-hmm
0: so just to wrap up this little interview um speaking of the shows have you watched any or do you do you like have you like um like <laughs> <out of> the
2: <that? laughs>
1: well i i usually don't um, um the, 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 i have five children got a wife um there's you know probably i'll say like there's nine tvs in the house there's laptops there's ipads i i Everybody else seems to be fat. I just kind of avoid it because it frustrates me. Mm-hmm. Um, not, you're not being judgmental, but um, yeah, I, I'm not sure. It's a good question. It'd be like if you're a combat veteran. I don't know if I want to watch war movies. Um, it's just something that it, 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 because maybe of my knowledge and my foundation that I become very critical and intense, and, and find fault with it, and, and therefore it's you know, not much fun for other people to watch it with me, and I don't want to watch it because it just, I don't know, I just don't find it entertaining. Although I do have a lot of that, I do show a lot of these in, in my classes for sure. Mm. If you ever want to look up a real serial killer, look up Pedro Lopez. There's a, uh, a documentary called The Monster of the Andes. Um, it, it's, it's awful. It, it's just, it's just, you know, they look for places where they're going to be least visible, with the most. We might refer to it as a target-rich area. Let me throw one other thing out at you, and I don't want to keep you here. But there's this term that, over the past twenty years, in in our sort of our business, we've determined um, that most vicious college rapes on college campuses happen within the first 72 hours of the beginning of the academic year. And it's usually freshmen or first year women. Um, It's called the red zone. Like in football, if you don't score within, you know, the 20 yard line, it's, it's, it's not good. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of sexual predators that only predate when they're in college. They never do it again because they can get away with it. It's weird. It's awful. It's scary. And we spend a lot of time studying it and a lot of students don't like the topic, but um, there's lots of data information about it. You know, and what do you want to do? Have you seen the video or the, the document or the somewhat documentary film called the hunting ground?
0: Yes, I think is it about the college campuses and sexual assault. Yeah. Yeah. I watched that in health class.
1: It, take a look at that and then think about serial killers because people will deny it. I mean, one young man says, well, just because you're having sex with a woman, and she says, no, that doesn't make it rape. Uh-huh. So um, we're very complicated you know, animals for sure, but you know, we're trying our best to, to move things along. But serial killers are fascinating because it's, there's a lot of unknown. There is no real solutions we can't count on a police department or a district attorney to solve it because it's just too immense. It's, it's about all of us. In some parts of the world, if there was a serial killer and the community found out about it, they would probably just drag the person out of their house or their hut or whatever, and just do away with them. Just believing that uh, they want to have to end that genetic pool. But I, you know, I don't know if that, if that's a good idea to even think about, but they're out there and they're in each one of our communities. Have you, uh, one last, do you have, do you have have to look up sexual predators in your neighborhood?
0: I looked at my, my teacher in high school last year made us go to like the bulletin in high school and like read off where
1: everybody was. Well, it's interesting and I can't say this, you know, absolutely, but there is an association, however small or large, between what we refer to as level three sexual predators and serial killers. Quite often, it's a man um, either, you know, murdering, killing children or murdering, killing females. Once in a while, we have a a female does it. A woman named Ron, W R O N A, was a female serial killer. But why is it men? Why is it like 99% men? It's an interesting, it's an interesting, I'm sorry. (laughs) It's an interesting concept to, to follow up on. You know, so, and... Every year in my classes, I have my students do level three sex offenders around the campus. And there are more than 30 or 40 within like six or 700 concentric yards. And from time to time, we discover one or two of them working in the food service area. So it's, uh, when, you, when you look it up, it says not only uh, where they live, but also they have to tell you where they work. How come we're not informed of that? Well, because it's not fair, right?
0: hmm
1: Some of the better drug dealers on campus have been people who have worked at, you know, Cheney. A <laughs> lot you know, don't want to know, right? <laughs> I know. Anyway, what are your majors? And I'll let you go.
0: Um, I'm in the PA program.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. I have a daughter in a PA program right now. Oh, really? She's at St. Joseph's. Oh, uh, Okay. Sadly, she's in her clinicals and it's been ended, so she's a miserable um, yeah, that's young adult. thing. I love it. PA, great. My, uh, my wife's an ICU nurse now. She's working in Hartford with COVID-19 patients okay. only. So it's pretty tense around here.
2: Yeah.
1: So she comes home and says, yeah, we only lost one last night. Oh, great. Let's all okay. the champagne, you know? So it's tough. The, uh, if we can convert some of this viral stuff and use the concept of epidemiology and pathology, we could also look at serial killers that way. Can they be like a virus, which there's no real cure, but we can sort of take preventative actions? Mm -hmm. That would be a good topic. But anyway, thanks Cassidy. How about you Mark, what's your your major?
3: Uh, I'm a movement sports studies major and I'm minor in coaching. Okay, but coaching what? Anything? Uh, I wanna coach baseball. Cool. Do you play baseball? I do. I'm on the
1: team up at Tool. Holy shit. So, Mark Simeone, you're one of your best friends? Yeah, he's a good guy. How about Eddie Martinez? Yep,
3: I know Eddie. Yeah,
1: he's a, he's a, he's a hoot. How about my best friend in the whole world, John Daly? John uh, John is
3: a character. For he
1: most. has two speeds, slow and reverse. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So yeah, we get to know. I get to know my students. Yeah. I, uh, John
3: Daly is a great kid.
1: And that's a great field you guys play on, huh?
3: Oh, it's awesome. Brand new.
1: Yes, for sure. I was there when Cal Ripken came and dedicated that uh, field in the back. But anyway, uh, yeah. and finally, Chase, you're the boss.
2: I am. I'm also in the movement in sports studies major with Mark uh, with a minor in coaching in business.
1: Okay. Coaching. What do you want to coach?
2: Uh, men's gymnastics.
1: Okay. So you're at a good school for that.
2: Yeah. I'm on the team up at Springfield. So.
1: Okay, good. Well, is there anything else I can do for you? Any unanswered questions?
0: No, I think that was perfect, actually.
1: I did more lecturing than answering, but sorry. You know, it's just did my I, to... No, that That's works.
0: That's okay. Perfect.
1: That was perfect.
0: Thanks for listening. This podcast was produced by Agape, Mark, Chase, Cassidy, and Henry. See you next time on Cutthroat.